Were there schemes of wider scope? A scheme to be formulated and submitted for approval to the harbour commissioners for the exploitation of white coal hydraulic power obtained by hydroelectric plant at peak of tide at Dublin Bar or at head of water at Pulafuca or Powers Court or catchment basins of main streams for the economic production of 500,000 WHP of electricity. A scheme to enclose the peninsular delta of the North Bull at Dollymount and erect on the space of the foreland used for golf links and rifle ranges an asphalted esplanade with casinos, booths, shooting galleries, hotels, boarding houses, reading rooms, establishments for mixed bathing. A scheme for the use of dog vans and goat vans for the delivery of early morning milk. A scheme for the development of Irish tourist traffic in and around Dublin by means of petrol-propelled river boats plying in the fluvial fairway between Island Bridge and Rings End, charabangs, narrow-gauge local railways, and pleasure steamers for coastwise navigation, ten shillings per person per day, guide trilingual included. A scheme for the repristination of passenger and goods traffics over Irish waterways when freed from weed beds. A scheme to connect by tramline the cattle market, North Circular Road and Prussia Street, with the quays, Sheriff Street, Lower and East Wall, parallel with the Link Line Railway, laid in conjunction with the Great Southern and Western Railway Line between the Cattle Park, Liffey Junction, and terminus of Midland Great Western Railway, 43 to 45 North Wall, in proximity to the terminal stations or Dublin branches of Great Central Railway, Midland Railway of England, City of Dublin Steam Packet Company, Lancashire. Yorkshire Railway Company, Dublin and Glasgow Steam Packet Company, Glasgow, Dublin and Londonderry Steam Packet Company, Laird Line, British and Irish Steam Packet Company, Dublin and Morecambe Steamers, London and North Western Railway Company, Dublin Port and Docks Board, Landing Sheds and Transit Sheds of Palgrave, Murphy and Company, Steamship Owners, Agents for Steamers from Mediterranean. Spain, Portugal, France, Belgium, and Holland, and for animal transport and of additional mileage operated by the Dublin United Tramways Company Limited to be covered by Grazier's fees. Positing what protuses would the contraction for such several schemes become a natural and necessary apotosis? Given a guarantee equal to the sum sought, the support by deed of gift and transfer vouchers during donor's lifetime or by bequest after donor's painless extinction of eminent financiers. Blum Pasha, Rothschild, Guggenheim, Hirsch, Montefiore, Morgan, Rockefeller, possessing fortunes in six figures, amassed during a successful life, and joining capital with opportunity, the thing required was done. What eventually would render him independent of such wealth? The independent discovery of a gold seam of inexhaustible ore. For what reason did he meditate on schemes so difficult of realization? It was one of his axioms that similar meditations, or the automatic relation to himself of a narrative concerning himself, or tranquil recollection of the past when practiced habitually before retiring for the night, alleviated fatigue and produced, as a result, sound repose and renovated vitality. His justifications. As a physicist, he had learned that of the seventy years of complete human life, at least two sevenths, viz., twenty years, passed in sleep. As a philosopher, he knew that at the termination of any allotted life, only an infinitesimal part of any person's desires has been realized. As a physiologist, he believed in the artificial placation of malignant agencies, chiefly operative during somnolence. What did he fear? The committal of homicide or suicide during sleep by an aberration of the light of reason, the incommensurable categorical intelligence situated in the cerebral convolutions. 
What were habitually his final meditations? Of some one sole unique advertisement to cause passers to stop in wonder, a poster novelty with all extraneous accretions excluded, reduced to its simplest and most efficient terms, not exceeding the span of casual vision and congruous with the velocity of modern life. What did the first drawer unlocked contain? A Veer Foster's handwriting copybook, property of Millie Millicent Bloom, certain pages of which bore diagram drawings marked Papley, which showed a large globular head with five hairs erect, two eyes in profile, the trunk full front with three large buttons, one triangular foot, two fading photographs of Queen Alexandra of England and of Maud Branscombe, actress and professional beauty. A Yuletide card bearing on it a pictorial representation of a parasitic plant, the legend Mitzpah, the date Xmas 1892, the name of the senders from Mr. and Mrs. M. Comerford, the versicle May this Yuletide bring to thee joy and peace and welcome glee. A butt of red, partly liquefied sealing wax obtained from the stores department of Messrs. Healy's Limited, 89, 90, and 91 Dame Street. A box containing the remainder of a gross of gilt Jane pen nibs obtained from same department of same firm, an old sand glass which rolled containing sand which rolled, a sealed prophecy never unsealed written by Leopold Bloom in 1886 concerning the consequences of the passing into law of William Ewart Gladstone's Home Rule Bill of 1886 never passed into law. A bazaar ticket number two thousand and four of S. Kevin's Charity Fair, price sixpence, one hundred prizes. An infantile epistle dated small M Monday, reading capital P Papley, comma capital H. How are you? Note of interrogation. Capital I. I am very well. Full stop. New paragraph. Signature with flourishes. Capital M Milly. No stop. A cameo brooch, property of Ellen Bloom, born Higgins, deceased. Three typewritten letters, addressee Henry Flower, care of P.O. Westland Row, addresser Martha Clifford, care of P.O. Dolphins Barn. The transliterated name and address of the addresser of the three letters, in reserved alphabetic, boustrophedontic, punctuated, quadrilinear cryptogram, vowel suppressed, N I G S stroke W I U U. O X stroke W, O K S, M H stroke Y, I M, a press cutting from an English weekly periodical, Modern Society, subject corporal chastisement in girls' schools, a pink ribbon which had festooned an Easter egg in the year eighteen ninety nine, two partly uncoiled rubber preservatives with reserve pockets, purchased by post from box three two P O Charing Cross, London W C. One pack of one dozen cream-laid envelopes and faint-ruled notepaper, watermarked, now reduced by three. Some assorted Austrian-Hungarian coins, two coupons of the Royal and Privileged Hungarian Lottery, a low-power magnifying glass, two erotic photocards showing a buccal coition between nude Senorita, rear presentation, superior position, and nude Torero, fore presentation, inferior position. B anal violation by male religious fully clothed eyes abject of female religious partly clothed eyes direct purchased by post from box three two P O Charing Cross London W C a press cutting of recipe for renovation of old tan boots a one penny adhesive stamp lavender of the reign of Queen Victoria 
a chart of measurements of Leopold Bloom compiled before, during and after two months of consecutive use of Sandow Whitley's pulley exerciser. Men's 15 shillings, athletes 20 shillings. Viz, chest 28 inches and 29 and a half inches. Biceps 9 inches and 10 inches. Forearm 8 and a half and 9 inches. Thigh 10 inches and 12 inches. Calf 11 inches and 12 inches. One prospectus of the Wonder Worker, the world's greatest remedy for rectal complaints, direct from Wonder Worker, Coventry House, South Place, London, E.C., addressed to Mrs. L. Bloom, with brief accompanying note, commencing, Dear Madam. Quote, the textual terms in which the prospectus claimed advantages for this thaumaturgic remedy. It heals and soothes while you sleep. In case of trouble in breaking wind, assists nature in the most formidable way, ensuring instant relief in discharge of gases, keeping parts clean and free natural action. An initial outlay of seven and six, making a new man of you and life worth living. Ladies find Wonder Worker especially useful, a pleasant surprise when they note delightful result, like a cool drink of fresh spring water on a sultry summer's day. Recommend it to your lady and gentleman friends. Lasts a lifetime. Insert long round end. Wonder Worker. Were there testimonials? Numerous. From clergyman, British naval officer, well-known author, city man, hospital nurse, lady, mother of five, absent-minded beggar. How did absent-minded beggars concluding testimonial conclude? What a pity the government did not supply our men with wonder workers during the South African campaign. What a relief it would have been. What object did Bloom add to this collection of objects? A fourth typewritten letter received by Henry Flower, let HF, BLB, from Martha Clifford, find MC. What pleasant reflection accompanied this action? The reflection that, apart from the letter in question, his magnetic face, form and address had been favourably received during the course of the preceding day by a wife, Mrs. Josephine Breen, born Josie Powell, a nurse, Miss Callan, Christian name unknown, a maid, Gertrude, Gertie, family name unknown. What possibility suggested itself? The possibility of exercising virile power of fascination in the most immediate future after an expensive repast in a private apartment in the company of an elegant courtesan of corporal beauty, moderately mercenary, variously instructed, a lady by origin. What did the second drawer contain? Documents. The birth certificate of Leopold Paula Bloom, an endowment assurance policy of £500 in the Scottish Widows Assurance Society, intestated Millicent Millie Bloom, coming into force at 25 years, as with profit policy of £430, £462.10 and £500 at 60 years or death, 65 years or death, and death, respectively, or with profit policy paid up of £299.10, together with cash payment of £133.10 at option. A bank passbook issued by the Ulster Bank College Green Branch, showing statement of AC for half-year ending 31 December 1903, balance in depositors' favour £18.14 and 6, £18.14 shillings and sixpence sterling. Net personality. Certificate of possession of £900 Canadian 4% inscribed government stock, free of stamp duty. Dockets of the Catholic Cemetery's Glasnevin Committee relative to a grave plot purchased. A local press cutting concerning change of name by deed poll. Quote the textual terms of this notice. I, Rudolf Virag, now resident at number 52 Clanbrazel Street, Dublin, formerly of Zambetli in the Kingdom of Hungary, hereby give notice that I have assumed and intend henceforth upon all occasions and at all times to be known by the name of Rudolf Bloom.
What other objects relative to Rudolf Blum, born Virag, were in the second drawer? An indistinct daguerreotype of Rudolf Virag and his father Leopold Virag, executed in the year 1852 in the portrait atelier of their respectively first and second cousin Stefan Virag of Szervár, Hungary. An ancient Haggadah book in which a pair of horn-rimmed convex spectacles inserted marked the passage of thanksgiving in the ritual prayers for Pesach, Passover. A photo card of the Queen's Hotel Ennis, proprietor Rudolf Blum, an envelope addressed to my dear son Leopold. What fractions of phrases did the lecture of those five whole words evoke? Tomorrow will be a week that I received. It is no use, Leopold, to be. With your dear mother. That is not more to stand. To her. All for me is out. Be kind to Athos, Leopold. My dear son. Always of me. Das hurts. Gott dein. What reminiscences of a human subject suffering from progressive melancholia did these objects evoke in Bloom? An old man, widower, unkempt hair in bed with head covered, sighing. An infirm dog, Athos. Aconite, resorted to by increasing doses of grains and scruples as a palliative of recrudescent neuralgia. The face in death of a septuagenarian suicide by poison. Why did Bloom experience a sentiment of remorse? Because in immature impatience he had treated with disrespect certain beliefs and practices. As? The prohibition of the use of flesh meat and milk at one meal. The hebdomadary symposium of incoordinately abstract, perfervidly concrete mercantile co-ex-religionist ex-compatriots. The circumcision of male infants. The supernatural character of Judaic scripture. The ineffability of the tetragrammaton. The sanctity of the Sabbath. How did these beliefs and practices now appear to him? Not more rational than they had then appeared, not less rational than other beliefs and practices now appeared. What first reminiscence had he of Rudolf Blum, deceased? Rudolf Blum, deceased, narrated to his son Leopold Blum, age six, a retrospective arrangement of migrations and settlements in and between Dublin, London, Florence, Milan, Vienna, Budapest, Zambatli. With statements of satisfaction, his grandfather having seen Maria Theresa, Empress of Austria, Queen of Hungary, with commercial advice, having taken care of Pence, the pounds having taken care of themselves. Leopold Blum, age six, had accompanied these narrations by constant consultation of a geographical map of Europe, political, and by suggestions for the establishment of affiliated business premises in the various centres mentioned. Had time equally but differently obliterated the memory of these migrations in narrator and listener? In narrator, by the excess of years and in consequence of the use of narcotic toxin. In listener, by the excess of years and in consequence of the action of distraction upon vicarious experiences. What idiosyncrasies of the narrator were concomitant products of amnesia? Occasionally he ate without having previously removed his hat. Occasionally he drank voraciously the juice of gooseberry fool from an inclined plate. Occasionally, he removed from his lips the traces of food by means of a lacerated envelope or other accessible fragment of paper. What two phenomena of senescence were more frequent? The myopic digital calculation of coins, eructation consequent upon repletion. What object offered partial consolation for these reminiscences? The endowment policy, the bank passbook, the certificate of the possession of scrip. 
reduce Bloom by cross-multiplication of reverses of fortune from which these supports protected him and by elimination of all positive values to a negligible, negative, irrational, unreal quantity. Successively, in descending helotic order, poverty, that of the outdoor hawker of imitation jewellery, the dun for the recovery of bad and doubtful debts, the poor rate and deputy cess collector, mendicancy, that of the fraudulent bankrupt with negligible assets paying one and fourpence in the pound, sandwich man, distributor of throwaways, nocturnal vagrant, insinuating sycophant, maimed sailor, blind stripling, superannuated bailiff's man, ma-feast, lick-plate, spoil-sport, pick-thank, eccentric public laughing-stock seated on bench of public park under discarded perforated umbrella, destitution, the inmate of old man's house, Royal Hospital Kilmainham, the inmate of Simpson's Hospital for reduced but respectable men permanently disabled by gout or want of sight, Nadir of Misery, the aged, impotent, disfranchised, rate-supported, moribund, lunatic pauper. With which attendant indignities? The unsympathetic indifference of previously amiable females, the contempt of muscular males, the acceptance of fragments of bread, the simulated ignorance of casual acquaintances, the latration of illegitimate, unlicensed, vagabond dogs, the infantile discharge of decomposed vegetable missiles worth little or nothing or less than nothing. By what could such a situation be precluded? By disease, change of state. By departure, change of place. Which, preferably? The latter, by the line of least resistance. What considerations rendered it not entirely undesirable? Constant cohabitation impeding mutual toleration of personal defects. The habit of independent purchase increasingly cultivated. The necessity to counteract by impermanent sojourn the permanence of arrest. What considerations rendered it not irrational? The parties concerned, uniting, had increased and multiplied, which being done, offspring produced and educed to maturity, the parties, if now disunited, were obliged to reunite for increase and multiplication, which was absurd, to form by reunion the original couple of uniting parties, which was impossible. What considerations rendered it desirable? The attractive character of certain localities in Ireland and abroad, as represented in general geographical maps of polychrome design or in special ordnance survey charts by employment of scale numerals and hatchers. In Ireland? The cliffs of Moher, the windy wilds of Connemara, Loch Ney with submerged petrified city, the Giant's Causeway, Fort Camden and Fort Carlisle, the Golden Vale of Tipperary, the Islands of Arran, the Pastures of Royal Meath, Bridget's Elm in Kildare, the Queen's Island Shipyard in Belfast, the Salmon Leap, the Lakes of Killarney. Abroad? Ceylon, with Spice Gardens supplying tea to Thomas Kernan, agent for Pulbrook, Robertson and Co., 2 Mincing Lane, London EC, 5 Dame Street, Dublin. Jerusalem, the Holy City with Mosque of Omar and Gate of Damascus, goal of aspiration. The Straits of Gibraltar, the unique birthplace of Marian Tweedy. The Parthenon, containing statues, nude Grecian divinities. The Wall Street money market, which controlled international finance. The Plaza de Taurus at La Linea, Spain, where O'Hara of the Camerons had slain the bull. Niagara, over which no human being had passed with impunity. The Land of the Eskimos, eaters of soap. The forbidden country of Tibet, from which no traveller returns. The Bay of Naples, to see which was to die. The Dead Sea. 
Under what guidance? Following what signs? At sea, septentrional. By night, the pole star, located at the point of intersection of the right line from beta to alpha in Ursa Major, produced and divided externally at omega, and the hypotenuse of the right angle triangle formed by the line alpha omega so produced, and the line alpha delta of Ursa Major. On land, meridional. Bispherical moon revealed in imperfect varying phases of lunation through the posterior interstices of the imperfectly occluded skirt of a carnous negligent perambulating female, a pillar of the cloud by day. What public advertisement would divulge the occultation of the departed? Five pound reward, lost, stolen or strayed from his residence, Seven Eccles Street, missing gent about forty, answering to the name of Bloom, Leopold, Poldy, height five feet, nine and a half inches, full build, olive complexion, may have since grown a beard, when last seen was wearing a black suit. Above sum will be paid for information leading to his discovery. What universal binomial denominations would be his as entity and non-entity? Assumed by any or known to none. Every man or no man. What tributes his? Honour and gifts of strangers, the friends of every man, and nymph immortal, beauty, the bride of no man. Would the departed never, nowhere, know how reappear? Ever he would wander, self-compelled, to the extreme limit of his cometary orbit, beyond the fixed stars and variable suns and telescopic planets, astronomical waifs and strays, to the extreme boundary of space, passing from land to land among peoples amid events. Somewhere, imperceptibly, he would hear and somehow reluctantly, sun-compelled, obey the summons of recall. Whence, disappearing from the constellation of the Northern Crown, he would somehow reappear, reborn, above Delta in the constellation of Cassiopeia, and after incalculable aeons of peregrination, return, an estranged avenger, a wreaker of justice on malefactors, a dark crusader, a sleeper awakened, with financial resources by supposition surpassing those of Rothschild or of the Silver King. What would render such return irrational? An unsatisfactory equation between an exodus and return in time through reversible space and an exodus and return in space through irreversible time. What play of forces inducing inertia rendered departure undesirable? The lateness of the hour rendering procrastinatory, the obscurity of the night rendering invisible, the uncertainty of thoroughfares rendering perilous, the necessity for repose obviating movement, the proximity of an occupied bed obviating research, the anticipation of warmth, human, tempered with coolness, linen, obviating desire and rendering desirable, the statue of Narcissus, sound without echo, desired desire. What advantages were possessed by an occupied as distinct from an unoccupied bed? The removal of nocturnal solitude, the superior quality of human, mature female, to inhuman, hot water jar, calefaction. The stimulation of matutinal contact, the economy of mangling done on the premises in the case of trousers accurately folded and placed lengthways between the spring mattress, striped, and the woolen mattress, biscuit section. What past consecutive causes before rising pre-apprehended of accumulated fatigue did Bloom, before rising, silently recapitulate? The preparation of breakfast, burnt offering, intestinal congestion and premeditative defection, holy of holies. The bath, rite of John, the funeral, rite of Samuel, the advertisement of Alexander Keyes, Urim and Thummim. The unsubstantial lunch, rite of Melchizedek. The visit to museum and national library, holy place. The book hunt along Bedford Row. Merchant's Arch, Wellington Quay, 
Simkath, Torah, the music in the Ormond Hotel, Shira Shirim, the altercation with the truculent troglodyte in Bernard Kiernan's premises, Holocaust, a blank period of time, including a car drive, a visit to a house of mourning, a leave-taking, wilderness, the eroticism produced by feminine exhibitionism, right of Onan, the prolonged delivery of Mrs. Minna Purifoy, heave offering, the visit to the disorderly house of Mrs. Bella Cohen, 82 Tyrone Street, Law, and subsequent brawl and chance medley in Beaver Street, Armageddon, nocturnal perambulation to and from the cabman's shelter, Butt Bridge, atonement. What self-imposed enigma did Bloom about to rise in order to go so as to conclude, lest he should not conclude, involuntarily apprehend? The cause of a brief, sharp, unforeseen, heard, loud, lone crack emitted by the insentient material of a strain-veined timber table. What self-involved enigma did Bloom, risen, going, gathering multicoloured, multiform, multitudinous garments, voluntarily apprehending, not comprehend? Who was Macintosh? What self-evident enigma... Pondered with desultory constancy during thirty years did Bloom now, having affected natural obscurity by the extinction of artificial light, silently, suddenly comprehend. Where was Moses when the candle went out? What imperfections in a perfect day did Bloom, walking silently, successively enumerate? A provisional failure to obtain renewal of an advertisement, to obtain a certain quantity of tea from Thomas Kernan, agent for Pulbrook, Robertson and Co., 5 Dame Street, Dublin, and 2 Mincing Lane, London, E.C., to certify the presence or absence of posterior rectal orifice in the case of Hellenic female divinities, to obtain admission, gratuitous or paid, to the performance of Lear by Mrs. Bandman Palmer at the Gaiety Theatre, 46, 47, 48, 49 South King Street. What impression of an absent face did Bloom, arrested silently, recall? The face of her father, the late Major Brian Cooper Tweedy, Royal Dublin Fusiliers of Gibraltar and Rehoboth, Dolphinspar. What recurrent impressions of the same were possible by the hypothesis? Retreating at the terminus of the Great Northern Railway, Amiens Street, with constant uniform acceleration along parallel lines meeting at infinity, if produced. Along parallel lines reproduced from infinity with constant uniform retardation at the terminus of Great Northern Railway, Amiens Street, returning. What miscellaneous effects of female personal wearing apparel were perceived by him? A pair of new, inodorous, half-silk black ladies' hose. A pair of new, violet garters. A pair of outsized ladies' drawers of India mull cut on generous lines. Redolent of Apoponax, Jessamine and Murati's Turkish cigarettes. And containing a long, bright steel safety pin, folded curvilinear. A camisole of Batiste with thin lace border. An accordion underskirt of blue silk moirette, all these objects being disposed irregularly on the top of a rectangular trunk, quadruple battened, having capped corners with multicoloured labels, initialed on its foreside in white lettering, BCT, Brian Cooper Tweedy. What impersonal objects were perceived? A commode, one leg fractured, totally covered by square criton cutting, apple design, on which rested a lady's black straw hat. Orange-keyed ware, bought of Henry Price, basket, fancy goods, chinaware and ironmongery manufacturer, 21, 22, 23 Moore Street, disposed irregularly on the washstand and floor, and consisting of basin, soap dish and brush tray on the washstand together, pitcher and night article on the floor separate. Bloom's acts? He deposited the articles of clothing on a chair, removed his remaining articles of clothing, took from beneath the bolster at the head of the bed a folded long white nightshirt, 
inserted his head and arms into the proper apertures of the nightshirt, removed a pillow from the head to the foot of the bed, prepared the bed linen accordingly, and entered the bed. How? With circumspection, as invariably when entering an abode, his own or not his own, with solicitude, the snake-spiral springs of the mattress being old, the brass quoits and pendant vipa radi, loose and tremulous under stress and strain, prudently, as entering a lair or ambush of lust or adder, lightly, the less to disturb, reverently, the bed of conception and of birth, of consummation of marriage and of breach of marriage, of sleep and of death. What did his limbs, when gradually extended, encounter? New clean bed linen, additional odours, the presence of a human form, female, hers, the imprint of a human form, male, not his, some crumbs, some flakes of potted meat recooked, which he removed. If he had smiled, why would he have smiled? To reflect that each one who enters imagines himself to be the first to enter, whereas he is always the last term of a preceding series, even if the first term of a succeeding one each imagining himself to be first, last, only, and alone, whereas he is neither first, nor last, nor only, nor alone, in a series originating in and repeated to infinity. What preceding series? Assuming Mulvey to be the first term of his series, Penrose, Bartle Darcy, Professor Goodwin, Julius Mastiansky, John Henry Menton, Father Bernard Corrigan, a farmer at the Royal Dublin Society's horse show, Maggot O'Reilly, Matthew Dillon, Valentine Blake Dillon, Lord Mayor of Dublin, Christopher Callanan, Lenahan, an Italian organ grinder, an unknown gentleman in the Gaiety Theatre, Benjamin Dollard, Simon Dedalus, Andrew Pisser-Burke, Joseph Cuff, Wisdom Healy, Alderman John Hooper, Dr. Francis Brady, Father Sebastian of Mount Argus, a bootblack at the General Post Office, Hugh E. Blazes Boylan, and so each, and so on to no last term. What were his reflections concerning the last member of this series and late occupant of the bed? Reflections on his vigour, a bounder, corporal proportion, a bill sticker, commercial ability, a bester, impressionability, a boaster. Why, for the observer, impressionability in addition to vigour, corporal proportion and commercial ability? Because he had observed with augmenting frequency in the preceding members of the same series the same concupiscence, inflammably transmitted first with alarm, then with understanding, then with desire, finally with fatigue, with alternating symptoms of epicene comprehension and apprehension. With what antagonistic sentiments were his subsequent reflections affected? Envy, jealousy, abnegation, equanimity. Envy? of a bodily and mental male organism specially adapted for the superincumbent posture of energetic human copulation and energetic piston and cylinder movement necessary for the complete satisfaction of a constant but not acute concupiscence resident in a bodily and mental female organism, passive but not obtuse. Jealousy? Because a nature full and volatile in its free state was alternately the agent and reagent of attraction because action between agents and reagents at all instants varied with inverse proportion of increase and decrease, with incessant circular extension and radial re-entrance, because the controlled contemplation of the fluctuation of attraction produced, if desired, a fluctuation of pleasure. Abnegation? In virtue of A. Acquaintance initiated in September 1903 in the establishment of George Messias, merchant, tailor and outfitter, 5 Eden Key. B. 
hospitality extended and received in kind, reciprocated and reappropriated in person. C. Comparative youth subject to impulses of ambition and magnanimity, colleagual altruism and amorous egoism. D. Extra-racial attraction, intra-racial inhibition, supra-racial prerogative. E. An imminent provincial musical tour, common current expenses, net proceeds divided. Equanimity? As natural as any and every natural act of a nature expressed or understood, executed in natured nature by natural creatures, in accordance with his, her and their natured natures of dissimilar similarity. As not as calamitous as a cataclysmic annihilation of the planet in consequence of collision with a dark sun. As less reprehensible than theft, highway robbery, cruelty to children and animals, obtaining money under false pretenses, forgery, embezzlement, misappropriation of public money, betrayal of public trust, malingering, mayhem, corruption of minors, criminal libel, blackmail, contempt of court, arson, treason, felony, mutiny on the high seas, trespass, burglary, jailbreaking, practice of unnatural vice, desertion from armed forces in the field, perjury, poaching, usury, intelligence with the king's enemies, impersonation, criminal assault, manslaughter, Willful and premeditated murder. As not more abnormal than all other altered processes of adaptation to altered conditions of existence, resulting in a reciprocal equilibrium between the bodily organism and its attendant circumstances, foods, beverages, acquired habits, indulged inclinations, significant disease. As more than inevitable, irreparable. Why more abnegation than jealousy? Less envy than equanimity. From outrage matrimony to outrage adultery, there arose naught but outrage copulation. Yet the matrimonial violator of the matrimonially violated had not been outraged by the adulterous violator of the adulterously violated. What retribution, if any? Assassination, never, as two wrongs did not make one right. Duel by combat, no. Divorce, not now. Exposure by mechanical artifice, automatic bed, or individual testimony, concealed ocular witness. Not yet. Suit for damages by legal influence or simulation of assault with evidence of injury sustained, self-inflicted. Not impossibly. If any positively connivance introduction of emulation, material a prosperous rival agency of publicity, moral a successful rival agent of intimacy. Depreciation, alienation. Humiliation, separation, protecting the one separated from the other, protecting separator from both. By what reflections did he, a conscious reactor against the void in certitude, justify to himself his sentiments? The preordained frangibility of the hymen, the presupposed intangibility of the thing in itself, the incongruity and disproportion between the self-prolonging tension of the thing proposed to be done and the self-abbreviating relaxation of the thing done. The fallaciously inferred debility of the female, the muscularity of the male, the variations of ethical codes. The natural grammatical transition by inversion, involving no alteration of sense, of an aorist preterite proposition, passed as masculine subject, monosyllabic, onomatopoeic, transitive verb with direct feminine object, from the active voice into its correlative aorist preterite proposition, passed as feminine subject, auxiliary verb, and quasi-monosyllabic onomatopoeic past participle with complementary masculine agent in the passive voice. 
the continued product of seminators by generation, the continual production of semen by distillation, the futility of triumph or protest or vindication, the inanity of extolled virtue, the lethargy of nescient matter, the apathy of the stars. In what final satisfaction did these antagonistic sentiments and reflections reduced to their simplest forms converge? Satisfaction at the ubiquity in eastern and western terrestrial hemispheres, in all habitable lands and islands explored or unexplored, the land of the midnight sun, the islands of the blessed, the isles of Greece, the land of promise, of adipose posterior female hemispheres, redolent of milk and honey and of excretory sanguine and seminal warmth, reminiscent of secular families of curves of amplitude, insusceptible of moods of impression or of contrarieties of expression, expressive of mute, immutable, mature animality. The visible signs of anti-satisfaction? An approximate erection, a solicitor's adversion, a gradual elevation, a tentative revelation, a silent contemplation. Then? He kissed the plump, mellow, yellow, smellow melons of her rump, on each plump, melonous hemisphere, in their mellow, yellow furrow, with obscure, prolonged, provocative, melon-smellonous oscillation. The visible signs of post-satisfaction. A silent contemplation, a tentative velation, a gradual abasement, a solicitous aversion, approximate erection. What followed this silent action? Somnolent invocation, less somnolent recognition, incipient excitation, catechetical interrogation. With what modifications did the narrator apply to this interrogation? Negative he omitted to mention the clandestine correspondence between Martha Clifford and Henry Flower, the public altercation at, in, and in the vicinity of the licensed premises of Bernard Kiernan and Co. Limited, 8, 9, and 10 Little Britain Street, the erotic provocation and response thereto caused by the exhibitionism of Gertrude, Gertie, surname unknown. Positive, he included mention of a performance by Mrs. Bandman Palmer of Lear at the Gaiety Theatre, 46, 47, 48, 49, South King Street, an invitation to supper at Wynne's, Murphy's Hotel, 35, 36 and 37, Lower Abbey Street, a volume of pecaminous pornographical tendency entitled Sweets of Sin, Anonymous, Author, A Gentleman of Fashion, a temporary concussion caused by a falsely calculated movement in the course of post-senal gymnastic display, the victim, since completely recovered, being Stephen Dedalus, professor and author, eldest surviving son of Simon Dedalus, of no fixed occupation. An aeronautical feat executed by him, narrator, in the presence of a witness, the professor and author aforesaid, with promptitude of decision and gymnastic flexibility. Was the narration otherwise unaltered by modifications? Absolutely. Which event or person emerged as the salient point of his narration? Stephen Dedalus, professor and author. What limitations of activity and inhibitions of conjugal rights were perceived by listener and narrator concerning themselves during the course of this intermittent and increasingly more laconic narration? By the listener, a limitation of fertility, inasmuch as marriage had been celebrated one calendar month after the 18th anniversary of her birth, 8 September 1870, viz. 8 October, and consummated on the same date with female issue born 15 June 1889, having been anticipatorily consummated on the 10 September of the same year, and complete carnal intercourse with ejaculation of semen within the natural female organ having last taken place 
five weeks previous, viz. 27 November 1893, to the birth on 29 December 1893 of second and only male issue, deceased 9 January 1894, aged 11 days. There remained a period of 10 years, 5 months and 18 days during which carnal intercourse had been incomplete without ejaculation of semen within the natural female organ. By the narrator... A limitation of activity, mental and corporal, inasmuch as complete mental intercourse between himself and the listener had not taken place since the consummation of puberty, indicated by catamenic hemorrhage of the female issue of narrator and listener, 15 September 1903. There remained a period of nine months and one day, during which, in consequence of a pre-established natural comprehension in incomprehension between the consummated females, listener and issue, complete corporal liberty of action had been circumscribed. How? By various reiterated feminine interrogation concerning the masculine destination, whither, the place where, the time at which, the duration for which, the object with which, in the case of temporary absences, projected or effected. What moved visibly above the listener's and the narrator's invisible thoughts? The upcast reflection of a lamp and shade, an inconstant series of concentric circles of varying gradations of light and shadow. In what directions did listener and narrator lie? Listener, S-E by E, narrator, N-W by W, on the 53rd parallel of latitude, N, and 6th meridian of longitude, W, at an angle of 45 degrees to the terrestrial equator. In what state of rest or motion? At rest relatively to themselves and to each other, in motion, being each and both carried westward, forward and rearward respectively by the proper perpetual motion of the earth through ever-changing tracks of never-changing space. In what posture? Listener, reclined semilaterally, left, left hand under head, right leg extended in a straight line and resting on left leg, flexed in the attitude of Geotellus, fulfilled, recumbent, big with seed. Narrator, Reclined laterally, left, with right and left legs flexed, the index finger and thumb of the right hand resting on the bridge of the nose in the attitude depicted on a snapshot photograph made by Percy Apjohn, the child-man weary, the man-child in the womb. Womb? Weary? He rests. He has travelled. With? Sinbad the sailor, and Tinbad the tailor, and Jinbad the jailer, and Whinbad the whaler, and Ninbad the nailer, and Finbad the failer, and Binbad the bailer, and Pinbad the paler, and Minbad the mailer, and Hinbad the hailer, and Rinbad the railer, and Dinbad the kailer, and Vinbad the quailer, and Linbad the Yaler, and Zinbad the Phthaler. When? Going to a dark bed, there was a square round Sinbad the Sailor, rock's hawk's egg, in the night of the bed of all the hawks of the rocks, of Dartenbad the bright day. Where? 